Welcome to Carl and Gabe Go to the Movies, a podcast about Wes Anderson and Asteroid City. Joining me today, he can't wake up if he doesn't fall asleep. It's Carl. What? (laughs) (laughs) Carl says he saw the movie. Not sure that he did because he didn't understand that reference. Also joining us today. Oh, damn. I totally forgot. You hear their laughter. I do get get it. it. Now you get it. Uh, You heard them laughing already. It's Andrew and Hannah from Posit for Me. The reason I didn't get Uh it is because I thought it was some kind of insult. I was trying to find the insult in there. I was like, (laughs) is he being nice or mean? Carl, you assume the worst. Well, if you lived with Gabe. <laughs> we have good. We have good news. We actually have real movie fans on the podcast. Oh, okay. today. <laughs> that's a burn to your other. Guests. <laughs> wow, that's a burn to myself. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, was I see. Say, yeah. Well, that makes enough sense. Gabe, yeah. Gabe can finally talk about movies. Mm-hmm, yeah. With people who have an IQ higher than eighty-two. <laughs> Every okay. time I listen to a Carl and Gabe episode, I'm always texting Gabe how hilarious it is that Gabe's like, "So let's talk about movies, Carl." And Carl, you're like. Gabe, I gotta get to bed. I don't want to talk about movies. <laughs> I love movies. Oh, people only know what you tell them, Carl. <laughs> true. That is very true. Um. All right. So, uh, new Wes Anderson movie, Hannah. We did a podcast with you. I think about a year and a half ago now, wow. where we talked about Wes for uh, a little too long. Uh, oh, not long enough. No, <laughs> we we actually uh, were running out of storage space on our memory card. We talked for so long about Wes. Um, what did you think about uh, Asteroid City? Okay, well, the movie itself, I loved it, but the experience of watching it in the theater <laughs> was subpar. Because the people next to us were super annoying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, it was partially those. our fault because we got game? there. Ow. We no, we got there when there were like maybe four seats left in the theater, so we were right up at the front. Yeah, in the crappy. We seats. had the nosebleeds where we were looking up at the screen. <laughs> oh, that sucks! <laughs> I would have never anticipated that a Wes movie would sell out like that. No yeah. kidding, dude. When we saw um, the last one, uh, French Dispatch, we were like the only ones in the theater. Yeah, yeah, same. It, it was a almost an empty theater when I saw French Dispatch. I think French Dispatch didn't get nearly as much marketing. Asteroid City, I've seen on YouTube. I've seen mm-hmm. it on trailers before other movies that's true and also maybe it has something to do with it. like wes is super in the culture right now yeah with mm. you know people well it's dri- it's driving me insane actually because these people don't actually understand oh instagram yeah they're just like oh, oh we made uh, wes anderson star wars like j- like ai generated i, hey, I said anderson. that to you and that was like, funny <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, just because like oh we made something colorful and symmetrical that's not all that wes is he, that's I not agree. the entire wes experience no totally it's just a joke people are right. very reductive they're like oh yeah. it's this and this and this because it's easy to replicate those things Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's a centered shot and everything's symmetrical, Wes Anderson. Yeah, exactly. And it's like very, yeah. it's a very superficial mm-hmm. Wes Anderson. And then there was also the TikTok craze of people being like, "Oh, let's do, go, let's go do this, but don't pretend you're in a Wes Anderson movie." And the person would be like, "You know, that's like someone sitting on a train, up. and that's all it is. It's like that's not yeah. Wes. It's because you're on a train. <laughs> it's not, you're not yeah. in Wes Anderson. He just likes trains. Can I can I tell you something? <laughs> mm-hmm. My work did that. Oh, yeah. My work was like, hey, we're going to film a Wes Anderson uh, like little video for Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I feel like they didn't they weren't fans because they yeah, they asked me or like Andrew asked me to tell them or something like the different traits. And then they they put it together. Yeah. But the ones that you said were like depression. And I was like, I don't think that's what they're going for for an Instagram post. I think they just want it to be quirky and symmetrical. I know, but it's like, why why bother? (laughs) To be fair to to people who are doing this, it's like, how do you you show an entirety of Wes Anderson's career in a three-second Instagram video? I mean, you got to go superficial. There's no other way. Yeah. But because, because... the people who I work with will, will probably never listen to this. It's that was video was a sore subject for me because they filmed they filmed a couple of little skits and I was busy that day, so I wanted to help more. But they filmed a couple of little shots with me in it, and almost every single one of them got cut. So I was sad that it didn't get to be in the little <laughs> Wes Anderson thing. And then so when they when they sent us when they sent the video and we're like, hey, any notes before we post it? I made a joke. I was like, mm, not enough, Andrew. 
And so what the editor did was they cut me out of the one shot that they included and then put me like sitting on every single ledge in every other shot and like my head sliding into the frame. And I was like, I feel attacked. You know, you know what I find funny about that, Andrew, is out of all the people I know, you're the closest to a Wes Anderson like character I know. Uh, like you, you, you would be, you'd be perfect in a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> you kind of have your own little thing, you know, and you're, button downs and all that it's just you have a very Wes Anderson I could see you making a Wes Anderson film I'm taking that as a massive compliment yeah. no absolutely you should so the, the angsty Jason Schwartzman character mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's exactly what I was thinking too yeah I did so have they a cut you out a they, of that shows ago, they know so. nothing yeah. about Wes Anderson yeah there you go I think Hannah had some more to say about the people who we watched the movie with mm-hmm. but really quick yeah I was saying that we we got tickets at the last minute and so we were right up at the front that is not the only movie that we've had that experience with recently we went and saw <laughs> i know a hand is laughing we went and saw elemental the new pixar movie mm-hmm. and we got those tickets last minute as well and when i bought the tickets instead of saying like auditorium 2 auditorium 12 or whatever it said clubhouse 11 and i was thinking clubhouse what, is, what does that mean oh maybe it's mm-hmm. like a cool like vip experience and as we got closer to the theater, I was like, "Oh, I know what Clubhouse means because I saw Clubhouse on the side of the th- on the side of the room in like big kid-like block letters." And so we walked into the theater, and it was like the brightest auditorium you've ever seen, like floodlights in the auditorium. And the entire left wall of the theater was like a McDonald's play place. <laughs> and then there was like blocks and like little kid tables and chairs in the front and kids running around and screaming and stuff. And we were like, <sighs> what have we gotten ourselves into? Yeah. So if you ever go to a Cineplex and you see that a, you know, a Pixar movie or whatever is playing at a clubhouse, don't go. I think the yeah. elderly couple who walked in was as disappointed as we were. Yeah, we, they're, they're like in their 70s. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that yeah. either. Yeah, and then the kid, like the little four or five year old sitting right next to me kept complaining to his mom he's like i want to go to walmart this is a baby movie (laughs) his mom's like we're not going to walmart unless you sit through the movie if we leave now we're going home he's like we'll go to walmart oh man what is wrong with these kids yeah i can't appreciate hey man walmart is cool (laughs) we we just saw um the flash and our although there were the kids sitting behind us but i actually quite enjoyed it (laughs) The kid, every time the flash went really fast, he, the kid would be like, wow! <laughs> it's like, like the craziest thing he's ever seen. He, it actually made me enjoy the movie the more. Kid, the kid lost momentum yeah. about midway through the movie, but for the first act of the movie, he was like, he had a running commentary on everything going on. He was pumped. On. Yeah, he was excited. Like every scene was like first the greatest thing he's ever seen in his life, <laughs> which made the movie a bit better for me. Yeah. I mean, at least he was like super excited. Our yeah, I mean, they were didn't a bit loud. understand our like the jokes going on in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There was what was it? The one he goes uh, the very beginning. Uh, the Flash character makes a oh, sex joke. Yeah, he says he says something like uh, it's too tight on my dick or something like and that the, when he puts on the costume. No, no, he's talking about being a virgin, and then the little boy goes, oh. "Dad, what's a virgin?" Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right behind us. I thought I thought you were talking about when because there was also a little girl with them and when he says like the costume's too tight on my dick, the uh, the little girl tried to started repeating the line and then her dad went no 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 Shh. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no and actually I found the flash enjoyable to watch with a group of people because there was a lot of people in the theater and lately we've been going to really empty theaters so. I actually enjoyed the yeah. the fact that there was like uh, you were getting reactions from people. I enjoyed it. Ma- it gave me a uh, nostalgic feel to what like yeah used to be like going to. I theater. think I think theaters sure. are filling up again a little bit more. All right, let's get back to Asteroid City yeah. though. So our um, seatmates. Yeah. So our seatmates. Like we're only telling you about this because it really colored our experience of watching this. Movie. Hannah's slightly more because she was one seat closer to them. Yeah. Because, like, the first scene came on, and we're like, yeah, Brian Cranston, like, oh, this is great. Like, it's black and white, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's really setting the tone for the film, describing what the film is about. And then these people come in, and they're, like, yelling at the people at the end of the row, and they're like, you're in our seats. Like, not trying <laughs> like to be quiet at all. In. Not whispering. Yeah. Yeah. So Making then, a fuss. So then, like, eventually they were arguing, and then those annoying people sat down, and then... They're just like talking, talking, talking about like 
the seat. They're like, oh, this seat's so uncomfortable and stuff. And Andrew goes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I gave him a professional shush. Uh, you know, I've chained for yeah. years and gone to shush school. So I gave him a shush. And I thought that was the end of it for like the next 20 minutes. But Hannah being slightly closer heard evidently what their reaction was to my shush. And what was it? And they're like, bite me. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, this is going to be like a bad experience if they're like, oh, I'm being rude. Okay, let me be rude some more. Oh, cause it's, it's good that I didn't hear them say bite me because yeah. if I had, I would have like stomped right over to them and been like, um, excuse me, folks. I think the uh, jackass auditorium is across the hall. Uh, might be in the wrong theater. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> yeah it's a good thing you didn't hear him because i was like he might be punching this person out for saying that <laughs> yeah. And but, then, yeah, yeah and then after my zany quip they would have said fuck you <laughs> yeah. were they were they were they old yeah they were okay, older than they were, were older that's than why us. you were comfortable if it was like a big muscle guy you'd been like asshole and just sat there <laughs> i know yeah. that's what i would have been like if it was like some little old person i'd be like get out of my theater <laughs> yeah so anyway they kept talking throughout the movie but they were also just like stupid yeah because like, they weren't understanding you things. guys know this the scene late in the movie where he's on the balcony and he's talking to margot robbie and he's like that's oh, the hey. best scene in the movie by the oh, way oh yeah, yeah best he, scene. he's like hey you're the uh you're the actress who's gonna play my wife and she was like yeah my scene got cut out of the movie and then they have like a conversation for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that like five minute scene, and it's kind of quiet at the end of that scene, one of them turns to the other and then he goes, That's his wife. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, it's like the sun show. <laughs> Anna can't hold her liquor. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, my microphone fell off the stand. Or the bowl that's on it. I'm sorry. We each took a <laughs> like, shot of uh, Dr. Yeah. McGillicuddy's butterscotch schnapps before we started this, <laughs> and maybe that was a mistake. But yeah. But so the son showed a picture of Margot Robbie early in the film, and he's like, "This is my mom," and it was very mm. obviously Margot Robbie. Yeah. So it's like that too, and they like. Didn't and they reference that in that scene. Exactly. They show the picture. Like, yeah. Y- and then you only have to remember yeah. fifth, like what an hour before. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I, I feel like maybe we should explain um, just how the movie is set up because it's kind of, it's definitely Wes's most complicated setup, I would say. Although. No, Budapest was more complicated. Yeah, I guess Grand Budapest jumps, it's jumping across timelines all the time. But this movie is a, Brian Cranston, as you said off the beginning, is doing some type of like Twilight Zone style, like docu mm-hmm, setup. Yeah about a novelist who is writing a play, which we also see the play. And then there's also the main part of the movie is a movie based on that play. Right. Did I get that all right? Yeah. I think so. Well, see, here's the thing is the scene that was setting that all up was the scene that we didn't hear. So we're like, what's this movie about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After the entire first scene, when they jumped into the color scenes, I turned to Hannah. I was like, I didn't get any of that. I was was like, like, me neither. I think it's a dramatization of the play that he's writing. And I think that's basically it. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say Um, for Grand Budapest, you have the rapper of the girl visiting the author at the grave. And then you have the author and then you have zero old zero. And then you have young zero. So it's a lot of Grand Budapest had more stories within a story, but I would, I would say it was easier to follow. But also did it, I can't remember. Did Grand Budapest reveal that was zero right from the beginning? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, he tells he tells well, him he his tell life. Him was... He goes, "Let me tell yeah, but he you." He doesn't my say, "I'm zero. He says he's the owner. I think. Yeah, he says he's the owner of the hotel, and so you you don't realize until at the end that he is zero. No. I I feel like you pick it up. Pretty no, quickly. because or do you he pick says, it up? I can't remember. He says, "I started as a lobby boy." Yeah. So oh, then me, right no, away you're, you're right. like, oh, yeah, "That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's zero. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's just I guess the mystery is how did he become the owner? Right. That's right. true. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I couldn't remember. I have, I, have, I need to rewatch. I love that movie. Oh, it was a great movie. All right. Um, so just jumping back to the the movie, um, I think it's probably like Wes has definitely like perfected his Wes craft now. Like, oh yeah, this is like this is like the last movie and this one are like maximal Westness. Like, I was it, thinking it, the exact same thing. It, it like yeah, he, he can't really. 
I, I can't see a way that he takes this form that he's created much further. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm You're looking wrong. forward to it. Because he's, <laughs> he's doing a raw a roll doll movie next. Yes. Which he did, Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, roll doll is zany. So, yeah. We'll it, it's see. apparently a it's apparently a shorter movie. It's forty five minutes or so long, I think. Oh, oh interesting. Oh, it's, gonna be on, it's gonna be on Netflix, I guess. Forty five hmm. minutes. Then. I see. I probably said this in the last episode that we did, but I feel like Wes Anderson's style with the stop motion is the perfect pairing to go with a rolled doll story. I, I would agree. love to see every rolled doll story adapted into a Wes Anderson stop motion style. Yeah. It's uh it's the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Sweet. So, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm like a little bit baffled by this movie and how exactly I feel about it. Just because okay. it, it is, it was a lot to take in and also just maybe just because I've seen every single thing that Wes has ever done. So it's like, it's kind of like when I, I see a new Star Wars movie or something where it's like, I have such, uh, a, a tie to this that it's like almost hard to like take it in the the first time a little bit. I agree. But, um, the I thought that this was like really densely packed with ideas that like I, I don't know if he's explored this big of a variety of ideas in in a singular movie before. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tenenbaums. I'm not. Uh, no, I don't know because Tenenbaums was a little bit more of a linear story. Right. I feel. Yeah, this one was I I was really torn about um leaving the main story. So I was really enjo- I would really start enjoying the main story or I guess the play itself. Right. And I enjoyed I individually I enjoyed the scenes that were black and white, you know, like kind of like more but the actor writing it. I did enjoy I really enjoyed the scene where uh, the director is living in the on the set and the wife comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that, that was a good one. But I just felt like they would momentarily take me out of the movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was torn about that because I enjoyed the scenes individually, but them in in the places that they were, I felt kind of, I was just waiting for it to go back. To I would play. agree with that to a, to a degree. Because I didn't want it, and I don't want to say I disliked the black and white scenes because they were really interesting, but some of them felt kind of, I'm unsure why they were there. Maybe, I don't know. Fair anybody enough. Else. I would say that a trademark of Wes is he embraces the artifice and he kind of makes every film he does into like sort of a theater production. Like it's a mm-hmm. peek behind the curtain. Like in Rushmore, he literally has like the curtains parting. It's kind of like an ongoing motif that like the mm-hmm. artists are doing stuff behind the scenes. He breaks the third wall on his own. Yeah. Fourth that would wall? that would be the fourth wall. But, yeah. Fourth wall. I was gonna say, I think it's the fourth <laughs> wall. You know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it breaks the fourth wall in his own weird Anderson way, I guess. Mm-hmm. See, but yeah. they're too long. I I don't know because there's some really <laughs> some of my favorite parts of the story were the were the black and white, but then some of them I just felt like what uh, that didn't need to be there. It just seemed okay. to take you out. And that's how just how I felt. But uh, that was the only criticism I had, really, about the movie. Other than that, I really really enjoyed. The whole thing, generally. I mean, yeah, I, I see your point. I was really into it because I would say Jason Schwartzman is one of my favorite Wes Anderson collaborators. To see him in like the lead role again was really refreshing. I was like, yeah, Jason. <laughs> he was really good in this movie too. Uh, I thought I that it. he he the 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 sadness and uh, loneliness that he. Uh, felt was it was really palpable and um i i mean i think it goes without saying that this is uh it's an allegory for covid lockdowns and and uh and the the loneliness that we all felt kind of during that time in isolation i mean they're the town's locked down in a quarantine right interesting yeah they, oh, I never didn't really see it that way. That, I didn't. I didn't true. think about that. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and and then the, the Schwartzman and uh, Scarlett Johansson, they're they're talking to each other, mm-hmm. but yeah. we we almost never see them yeah. in the same space. They're talking to each other across distance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a movie about emotional distance, and also it's just to make it blatantly obvious, physical distance is also mm. employed in that way. I thought that was. No, yeah. you're right. I didn't actually very, very true. I wonder if 
You think that was in- so? You believe that was intentional? Then that he was actually. I don't know if a, I think it was probably intentional, but it also could just be that when he was writing yeah. this, just that's how he yeah. was feeling. Yeah, True. Well, it I could also be COVID protocols on set. True. Was it filmed during uh, COVID lockdown? Yeah, it was filmed in Spain. I think. Yeah. Uh, a couple yeah, of years ago. During. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, I think it started filming before um, uh, his last movie even came out, right? I think. Yeah, sure, because exactly sure. they, I think they pushed the release of French Dispatch by a year, so it could be mm-hmm. shown in the theaters. That's true. You right, right. Yeah. Right. What about you, Andrew? What were your uh, What were your thoughts? I didn't like it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, tell us why. I'm really curious. Well, I think part of the reason why I didn't like it was because I missed certain uh, like pieces of dialogue. Like we missed that first scene. I was explaining to Hannah afterwards that I didn't understand why it seemed like they stopped in Asteroid City by accident because the car broke down. And it it seemed to me like they were stuck there and they didn't mean to be stuck there because they were going to meet Tom Hanks's character. And then all of a sudden, Jason Schwartzman's son was winning an award. So then mm-hmm. it seemed like it seemed like they had meant to go there all along. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand that. And Hannah was like, there was just like totally a line of dialogue where they said they were going there, but like they got towed, the car broke down and they got towed to asteroid city, but they were going there. I was like, I completely missed that because I was enamored with the way that they shot the, the phone call sequence. (laughs) So there, there were a couple things that I just missed that I think maybe contributed to me not liking it. Yeah. But um, Han- we came out of the theater and Hannah was gushing about it. She loved it, and I didn't want to burst her bubble, so I actually no, I hadn't fair. I hadn't told Hannah that I didn't like it until I said that's it like fine. ten seconds ago. I was yeah. keeping it a secret. Well, well, here's the thing: is it's it's not the first time that you have misunderstood something going on in the movie because it was told in a strange way. Are you kidding? That's practically my signature. No, but I, Andrew, actually, I agree with you because that actually threw me. Now that when I think about it, that was something that threw me off too. Because originally I thought as well that they. The way that they set up the car being repaired to me seemed like they got stuck there. And that yeah. the first thought in my head was they didn't have a cabin for some reason. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so they're, so they're just there by accident. And then all of a sudden his son's in the uh, war, like in the presentation in the science center or whatever by the asteroid. Um, I didn't realize that they were supposed to be there until that moment either. So I think we both, either I'm, <laughs> I miss it because I'm just dumb. Or it was very subtle. I don't know. Did you? No. Did you? Oh, I'm a failure because I haven't got a brain. <laughs> <laughs> he said to, no, he but, said to Tom Hanks. No, but but did you? Uh, he's did, in the competition. Did you catch that, Gabe? Or what moment are, did we miss um, of dialogue that would have explained that they were there for the competition? Because it seemed to me that it, that I didn't. Yeah, I, don't I mean, that. yeah. What is? It, yeah, is fifty percent of the it. podcast hosts dumb, or is the movie dumb? Tell us, Gabe. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you something. It's 50% of the podcast hosts because they have ADHD and stop paying attention for uh, a it's few a possibility. lines. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't listening. It's very true. <laughs> no, it was, it was very quickly explained. I will, I will give you that. But, uh, and it was right at the top of the movie and you were probably distracted by the people talking. Uh, and I, was I mean, you remember when we watched drink. Inherent Vice, right? I could barely sit still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He kept on feeding yeah. Gabe snacks like every fifteen. Oh minutes. yeah, snacks <laughs> and, and, drinks. And, and drinks too. He was like, "Do you want another drink?" I'm like, "Andrew, I have to drive home." Like, <laughs> but also, they didn't explain why the daughter, or I guess the daughters were with him, also because they didn't make it Tom Hanks. Or, yeah, like that's the part. That's what yeah, I he understand. Was dry, he was, but they were so close to Asteroid City. Why would they have gone? Like that's the part that I thought was like, okay, how does this? Anyway, I don't want to. So the plan was he was going to take his son to the science competition, drop drive him the, off, dr- drop him off, drive oh, the rest then, of okay, okay, drive okay. the rest of the way, drop off the that's daughters, what and I must then have come missed. back. Okay, that's what I missed then at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. not complicated at all. So no, because yeah, because yeah, Tom he was saying to Tom Hanks like you know you're going to have to pick the girls up, which is why mm-hmm. Tom Hanks came. I think uh, I liked certain aspects of it, but I think that the story within a story parts of it could have been done in a more effective way because it's true what Carl said is like when the outer story parts were happening I was kind of waiting to get back to the inner story I felt that the best example of how they did it was the scene towards the end when Jason Schwartzman walks off stage Mm -hmm. as if he's like in the middle of performing and his performance is in the same spot 
as we are in the movie that we're watching. Yeah, that was effective. That is the way that I think they should have done it the entire time. Mm-hmm. Is and they kind yeah. of started doing it that way. Like they opened with Brian Cranston being like, "We're starting the performance," but I feel like they didn't follow through with that. And every time mm-hmm. they jumped out of the story, it was a little back and forth, back and forth, all over the place. I think if they had held on to the idea that we're watching a movie version of the play while cutting away to backstage as they're performing the same play in real time, that would have been the best way to do it. But they didn't quite hang on to that. Also, the, some of the backstage stuff was either very literal, like, you know, all, he's writing the play, he comes, I want to be the a- main actor in the play, whatever. And there were some parts of the backstage stuff that was abstract and almost mm-hmm. like a play in itself, which not necessarily bad. I just I just felt like, is this a play of a play now? <laughs> like, are right. they, like that whole scene where, with the line that you said at the beginning, um, you, how can you dream if you, you don't sleep or whatever? You can't wake up if you don't fall yeah. asleep. Like, yeah. what was that about? I don't. Well, I still don't really understand what that was about. My take on that was he was playing with surrealism, which isn't something he's done before. And I found that really refreshing because mm-hmm. the playwright was wearing his pajamas and robe. And to me, I was like, oh, maybe he's dreaming this. So and, it's hmm. like, and, yeah. And I think yeah. it might have been, I'm not familiar with like uh, acting methods and stuff like that. I'm not like super knowledgeable about that. But I think that that might have been a commentary on, a certain type of stage acting um i don't know um, i was like this is like a uh, this is like him telling us that there's like he believes in aliens <laughs> like wake up people there's aliens so, so i think Maybe. another so i was talking earlier about like the 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 distance being a theme of the movie and i think that mm-hmm. the storytelling method that he uses the russian doll style or uh, nesting doll style of like, you know, a story within a story within a story within a story is another way to, it, it almost, it keeps the audience at a distance too from the characters, right? You can't, um, you can't fully emotionally buy in because like, is this, this character is not real. It's actually this person. And then this person is actually just them playing mm-hmm. a character on the stage too. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's kind know. of the kiss of death for me because right. I, I've talked before that I, I get into the emotional aspect of mm-hmm. movies, and if there isn't a character to root for that, or that I can empathize with, then I have a hard time getting into it. So th- I like think that, that was there to a degree, well. but not as and, strong as other Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. And well, and that's why that was one of the reasons why I'm a little bit apprehensive about this movie too. Is because the thing that I like most in Wes's movies are you know what he did in Moonrise Kingdom and uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, which are like highly um, emotional movies. Mm-hmm. Even even Tenenbaums too. It's a different type of emotion, right? Uh, a lot of you know s- sadness and tragedy, but Definitely. it's about about the the family uh, love. And I I thought that this movie um, was was more about uh, storytelling mechanics than it was about him wearing his heart on his sleeve like he used to do more often in his movies. I also right? I also felt that um one thing I love about Wes Anderson movies is that they can grab you and put you into kind of this surreal world. That has a realistic like. I know it's not a real world, but it's a Wes Anderson world, and it's real to the right. characters. And I love that. Like Grand, Grand that's what, something I love about Grand Budapest Hotels because you feel like you're in whatever world that these characters live in. Whereas in this movie, you're not in a real world because the characters aren't real, and you know they're not real, so you don't fully buy into the world they live in because you know it's a stage. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I would argue that's kind of a motif of all of his things. Like even Royal Tenenbaum, if you remember the rapper with Alec Baldwin narrating, he's narrating mm-hmm. the book, The Royal Tenenbaum, about the characters in it. Like yeah. shows dollhouse mm-hmm. vignettes of them. So you could argue that, that was just all artifice as well. Yeah. It just Again, depends I, on how I, they I pull did you enjoy in. it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy it. I just think that like... It ranks pretty low for me as far as Wes Anderson rankings go, which we'll get into shortly. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, let's all give our uh, star review of this movie and then we can get into ranking Wes Anderson's movies. Well, hold on. Before we do that real quick, Uh I just, I want to hear, because we, I felt like we've been pretty negative. Um, I've only said really negative things, even though I enjoyed the movie. You can say that while you give your star rating. Okay. (laughs) All right, fair enough, fair enough. I just wanted to yeah. hear... I wanted go, to hear, go ahead, go no, ahead. No, no, I want them to do theirs first. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I just want to hear Andrew, Andrew's good Andrew stuff. Andrew didn't like it. He said he didn't Andrew, like it. Um, Andrew, you go first. 
I thought the stop motion animation with the alien was cool. I thought that was fun. I thought there were some funny moments. Um, I I thought that Woodrow as Jason Schwartzman's son looked exactly like he would be Jason Schwartzman's son. We found yeah. out that he wasn't, right? He's yeah. not Jason Schwartzman's yeah, real like, son? You know, it honestly could be. Surprising. Yeah. Or like a cage, like a cousin or something. Yeah. Cast yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. I was I was very happy to see that Tom Hanks can still act after the disaster that was Elvis because I was worried there for a few months. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would give this movie 60 stars out of 100. I love it. I'm doing a I'm doing a hundred star rating too. I hate five star rating. Okay. I don't, there's no anyway. <laughs> there's no in between and five star ratings. Sometimes I switch back and forth between five and ten, and Andrew's like, "What is it out of?" <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, yeah. give, give us uh, your review. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not the worst, but it's it's not the best. I just found it to be fun, and I was excited to see mm-hmm. another one. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think I like it better than the French Dispatch. Well, I'd be interested to know in your opinion of this a few months down the line because you were really digging the French Dispatch when it came out, and I think some of that might have been recency bias. It's possible. I mean, it's just like it's my favorite director and some of my favorite actors, so it's kind of like, oh, of my favorite things, which is the least favorite or something you know well i'll ask you this do you feel like after all these movies wes anderson has lost his touch or is he only getting better with age um he hasn't lost his touch i think he's trying to explore different avenues and i think that's good because you don't want his movies to be cookie cutter this one's different and we're talking about how it's different from the other ones Mm -hmm. don't want it to be the same yep so i found it refreshing and different stepping outside of his box a little bit it's less of a linear story, more about storytelling. I agree. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So, what did you rate it? What? Did you rate it? No. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I'll, I'll give it an eight out of 10. Not perfect, really enjoyable, really great to see Jason Schwartzman doing his angsty thing. That's all I can say. So, I, I totally agree that this is him stepping outside of his box. And I, I feel like this is the first time that he's done that probably since. I think Darjeeling Limited was a little bit of him uh, stepping outside his comfort zone a tiny bit, and he, I think he got a little bit apprehensive about doing that because Darjeeling didn't do uh, very well compared to some of his other movies. Yeah. That, I mean, um, that movie's great. It's refreshing, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's definitely I, different. I, I quite like that one, Yeah. Um, as we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, I gave it uh, three and a half out of five, um, but I really want to see it again very soon mm-hmm. so that I can be sure, certain about that. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I really love the world. I think this is his most one of his most interesting visual movies. I love Asteroid City, the whole concept. I love how they were mm-hmm. selling plots of land, what mm-hmm. they were really selling. They were investing. There's a lot of things to love. Yeah. Um, even though some of the scenes took me out, I did, and, I, and the thing is, I really enjoyed some of the black and white scenes, but at the same time, they took me out of the story. Anyway, I don't want to hark on it. I, overall, I, I liked it. I if I had to give it out of five, I'd give it three point five. But if mm-hmm. I'm giving it out of ten. It's a 7.3. (laughs) (laughs) 7.3. That's how you do a rating. Because now it's not as good as a 7.5. It's not quite as bad as a 7. It's a 7.3. That's so specific. (laughs) I commend you, I know, but that's my specific ranking. That's how I feel. (laughs) All right. uh, We're going to pause for a second to take a break, and then we're going to do our rankings. All right, so I wanted to try something a little bit different for our rankings this time. We Before, we've done it where we all gave our individual rankings. But this time, I wanted to try a collaborative approach to it. So we're going to try to work together and possibly against each other to craft a Wes Anderson uh, top 11 rankings. All right, number one. In- no, <laughs> number one is so going to be There Will Be Blood, and let's just go from there. Number, there Will Be Blood number is number one no matter Godfather. what list When is Daniel Day-Lewis going to get a retirement to be in a Wes Anderson movie is what I want to know. Yeah. He can't. I don't know if he would fit in. Would he be good? Oh, yeah, he would fit in. Wes can make anyone work at this point. I don't yeah, Tom Hanks? Come on. Speaking of which, not enough characters. Bill Murray in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, that's true. No Bill Murray. Yeah, was that the first? No, was not a, the first. He, he wasn't in French Dispatch either, right? Oh no, he was. Uh, right? He was. No, yeah, he, he, he was wasn't the editor. In, he wasn't in Bottle Rocket, and right. um, 
I don't Is he know. Darjeeling? Yeah. He he was at the beginning in like a runner where he's trying to catch the train and then they get up ahead of him. Mm. Well, lucky for you guys, I'm staring right at all the Wes Anderson paintings that I've made for Hannah over the years. So Aww. I have a nice visual representation of our list here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we'll, we'll start off at 11 and we'll work our way down. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. So 11 being the worst? Bottle rocket. 11 being the worst. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Hannah, Hannah has proposed bottle rocket. I am seconding Bottle Rocket. Third. I liked Bottle Rocket. Oh, it's, Andrew is okay, third listen, in Bottle Rocket. I like I'm Bottle sorry, Rocket, but, but it's the least Wes Anderson. Well, that's what I like about it, because it's his oh. most... Oh. <laughs> if, so, if if we're being on... like I, I like Bottle Rocket. I think yeah. we all like Bottle Rocket. It's a yeah. good movie, but... Um. It, <laughs> Andrew, <okay>. shut up. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, tell us what you don't dig about Bottle Rocket. I will not have I will not have Bottle Rocket slandered. <laughs> it was I feel like it lacks direction. Yeah. The best yeah. scene in the movie is the heist towards the end and the rest is like pretty aimless. My favorite part of the movie <laughs> is where Owen Wilson comes in and he goes, This is my associate Cornelius. That really makes me laugh for some reason. Yeah. Other than that, I just like I wouldn't I it, it doesn't make me want to rewatch it. It's an innocuous line where he says To me Sorry, Hannah, I just want you to, to me, I don't think you can, I don't think you can, even though Life Aquatic looks visually more like a Wes Anderson movie, you cannot tell me that it's a better story than Bottle Rock. It's a better story. <laughs> well, it's a slightly better story than Bottle Rock. Right, so right, yeah, I'll concede, you guys all, a, you know, it's consensus, so fine, but... Uh, there's literally no point of Inez's character in Bottle Rocket. You could completely write her out, and it would mm-hmm. have the same trajectory at the and, end. And straight up, she's just not a good actress either. And being, for that reason, honest. I'm out. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the Life Aquatic, like, if, there's a lot more at stake in the movie, at least a little bit. So Ooh. The only thing that I liked about that sentence was the word steak. Um, okay. So we've all, we've, we've Carl, is it close to your bedtime? Are you going to no, have to get no, off the podcast? I'm just soon? hungry for steak now. <laughs> we've agreed that Bottle Rocket is number 11. So now we have to propose a number 10. Can I propose it? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say The Life Aquatic, which we just talked about. Second. Mm. I would okay. put. I was going to put Life Aquatic around nine. And okay. Okay. Put, well, what is your What's your proposal for number 10? <sighs> Darjeeling. Darjeeling. But I I don't have the right to say that I don't like Darjeeling because I, I probably explained this last time that I caught Darjeeling like halfway through when it was on TV. Yeah, then you don't and have the right. watched it to the end. And then when it ended, it started again. So then I watched it from the beginning up until the place where I started watching it. <laughs> okay. And then I was like, well, I guess I've seen that even though I saw the second half first and the first half yeah. second. This is coming from the person that watched the first half of Titanic and then didn't finish it. <laughs> well, I was doing well, my homework, and then when, when the boat started sinking, I finished my homework, so I went to bed. And you're a James Cameron fan. The best part of the movie. <laughs> Titanic is mid. I'm going to say it. Titanic is a mid movie. Is but the second okay. half is the best part. <laughs> the best part of the movie is when the credits roll and Celine best, Dion starts singing. The best that part of the movie is when the, the guy falls from the top and hits his head off the propeller. Oh, yeah, that part's, pretty, that part's pretty funny. <laughs> Guys, I don't think we should be talking about the Titanic right now. Getting, oh. oh, yeah. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Oh, it's shit. A tough, okay. It's a tough time for Titanic deaths. Um, moving on, moving on. Moving on, Okay, yeah. so, okay, so what, what about what about this? What about Life of Dogs? Okay, Life 10? Aquatic, I straight up dislike. You I'm say Life say of Dogs, you mean Isle of Dogs? Isle of Dogs. I think you mean Food for Dogs on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Life of Dogs. I, Secret okay. Life of Pets. Life of Dogs, I think the story is kind of weak. But the animation. Did you say Life of Dogs again? Did I? Isle of, <laughs> Isle of Dogs. He's Life got me saying it. Um, the animation was great, but the story was kind of weak. So. I, I think Life of Dog. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, what have you done? <laughs> Officially, Google changes oh, now. It says Life of Dogs. <laughs> yeah. I think Isle of Dogs deserves a midpoint in this in this ranking. I I oh. I, I wouldn't put it. I low. don't know. Okay. Let uh I don't know. I'm okay with Darjeeling Limited being close to the end, like I'm okay with Life Aquatic being close to the end. But... Okay, and so is Carl. So I I straight up despise I it's Hannah, my least it's not only that I don't like it as yeah. my least favorite 
of his movies, I really just don't like it. Hannah, do you want to fight for Life Aquatic, or okay. are you okay with it being I number just, 10? I just think that there's more cinematic risks in a good way mm-hmm. in Life mm-hmm. Aquatic. I think, you yeah. know, just the color grading, the color palette, like all the uh, animals in the water, the silliness mm-hmm. with Willem Dafoe's character. <laughs> like, I oh, just, yeah. And I really love um, the dollhouse pan of like each of the different rooms in that movie there's I mean, a lot of charm in life aquatic yeah i guess there is that in darjeeling limited the pan the train but it's not as good <laughs> i don't know i think the story is maybe I, worse in darjeeling i i think that maybe you've been overruled though by all of us all right whatever life aquatic as much i still like life aquatic no i don't hate it like I, carl does i'm comfortable just, i'm pu- comfortable putting life aquatic at 10 but only if we put darjeeling at nine okay i'm willing to concede that even though darjeeling is one of my top five wes's i, I i'm i'm wow. willing to concede that and let you put it at nine i'm i'm on board on that i i, I also d- disliked uh, i didn't i didn't like dislike as much as uh, life aquatic but i think it's one of his weaker ones okay it, it's weaker but it's still good. But they're it's all got good. moments. Yeah, I agree. The only one I dislike of his movies is Life Aquatic. Weirdly enough. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I don't know why. I just I've tried to watch it twice, and both times I disliked it. Gotta watch all it right. again till you <laughs> yeah, like it. Give that third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah, just like in a Clockwork Orange, just keep on yeah. playing it. Yeah. A movie that you haven't seen. I have not seen it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I've never seen Clockwork Orange either. I oh, know. That might be that might be one for your positive for me. I uh, know. Watch list. Mm. Yeah. Well. Um, Maybe in a couple of years, once we're done our film history yeah. thing, because I've seen it, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, right. okay. Um, okay, so we've got Bottle Rocket, Life Aquatic, and uh, Darjeeling Limited. Okay. So, what are we? What are we thinking for number eight? Does anyone have a proposal? I'm. I would go with Isle of Dog or Rushmore, but I know you guys are probably high on Rushmore, so and I'm okay with Rushmore. I think me and Hannah are gonna fight for Rushmore. That's fine. Hard. So I think Isle yeah. of Dog for me. I feel like Isle it's got to be Asteroid City. No, no, no. Asteroid City is mm. better than Isle of Dogs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. Significantly stronger. Uh, the plot is better in Isle of Dogs. I, I disagree. Oh, I disagree with that too. Seriously, if I was yeah. given and the visually, choice of like which two do you want to watch today, Hannah, I'm gonna put on Asteroid City. Oh, I would put so. on I- I- Isle of Dogs so much faster. I think I think you have like anti recency bias because when you did your podcast <laughs> episode with Carl and Gabe the first time. Isle of Dogs was the only one that you didn't do a full rewatch of before. That I didn't episode. have time. I okay. I still skimmed through it and watched all the scenes. Skimmed. Okay. How do you watch all the scenes by skimming through? Wouldn't you have like, to I just skip put the, things? To- I put the fast forward button on it and I was like, oh, okay, here's this scene. Here's this scene to refamiliarize. With excuses, mm-hmm. excuses. Totally. All right. But I agree with Hannah. I I really don't think. Isle of Dog is stronger than uh, Asteroid City. No. Uh, I, I like I like puppies, uh, guys. Uh, puppies. <laughs> <laughs> love a dog. Love dogs. Uh, and it's a cute movie, but I think that uh, it's definitely one of the lower ranking West movies for me. So is that what we're going with? I think with? we're going with Isle of Dogs at number eight. Now so, I've got steak on the mind because I am salty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my, my One of my favorites is last. <laughs> So What's number seven, number seven, Quarter Rocket. I loved it. Mm. Yeah, but you got overruled. I'm sorry. It's not my favorite. Not even in the top five, but it's definitely. But anyway, I'm I'm okay with it. All right, so I'm gonna propose a number seven now, and I'm gonna say the French Dispatch. Sure. Okay. Okay. I Whatever. It's it's good. Maybe it's not great. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. what do you think? You like French Dispatch a lot? Not a he lot. Wants Asteroid City here. That's oh, he, wants he wants Asteroid City here. I think Asteroid City is better than French Dispatch. I think so too. I, French Dispatch I, didn't I grab me. Yeah, it's. I think there's a lot to love about it, but mm-hmm. just not everything is great. I've seen them both too recently, and only once to be able to give them a fair uh, a fair spot on this list. They just feel they feel too fresh. I don't know. I I, I think that French Dispatch is an interesting. Um, uh, experiment from west doing like basically a series of short films that that tie together and you know it it, a commentary on his work for years was that his movies were just they resembled new yorker articles and he was just like here i'm just gonna give you a movie that actually is just new yorker articles um yeah it was a fun idea and i enjoyed mm -hmm. it but some of the short films were better than others so what's our consensus here we're saying french dispatch is 
is worse than Asteroid City? I yeah. think so. I think so. Yeah. The uh, thing I'll, I would I'll look at is that. I would rewatch almost every other movie coming up again. But every movie we've ranked already outside of Bottle Rocket for me, I would not. I, I have no interest in rewatching really, mm-hmm. I would including French Dispatch. Yeah, and I would if I had to, but I wouldn't if I was to pick a Wes Anderson movie that I'm like, oh, I'm in the mood. It's not going to be French Dispatch. It'd be some of these other ones. So right, I think that's fair. Okay. All right, so we've got French Dispatch at number seven. Does anyone have a proposal for number six? Asteroid City. Mm. Can I'm, we concede? I think I'm down, I can I'm concede. down with Asteroid City here. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a fair place for it. It's it's so new. I'd have to rewatch it to put it any higher. I think. Hannah. I think that's fair. I don't know. It it's has similar motifs to Moonrise Kingdom, but. I don't know. Maybe Moonrise Kingdom's better. It's hard to say. I think Moonrise Kingdom is better by far. I wouldn't say by far, yeah, but it is better by far. I think I Moonrise Kingdom gra- grabs me more emotionally yeah. than than uh, Asteroid mm-hmm. City. Very yeah. much yeah. so. And I think well, that's by design. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Asteroid City's trying to emotionally grip you. It just it it speaks to me more in mm-hmm. Moonrise Kingdom Same. than it does. Same. Okay. Um, so we're going Asteroid City here at number six. Uh, Andrew, do you have a proposal for number five? So what's left? We got Grand Budapest, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore. That, that's yeah. what's left? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Fantastic Mr. Fox. No! We got to save it. Okay? <sighs> Ooh. I'm going to... Uh, I would say Rushmore or Royal Tenenbaums, but I know you guys are higher on Rushmore. Those are like wow, two of my we, favorite movies ever. We are all, I... all over the place here. I was going to say Moonrise Kingdom. No. I... I would also go Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm yeah. happy with that. At number five? Okay. I think Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox belongs on number five. I think the other options I prefer, outside of Rushmore. The only other one, I, I'm a big fan of Royal Tannenbaum's. I just thought you guys would be lower on it. Nope. I love oh, it. Okay, so I really love that one. Uh, I think I prefer all the other options outside of uh, Rushmore to Fantastic Mr. Fox. So for me, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a good spot here. Yeah, Andrew like- has walked away. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew! Whatever you say is right. <laughs> Come back. Did we decide to put Fantastic Mr. Fox at number one yet? No. You think it's the best? <laughs> what one? are you insane? Okay, don't it, don't get me wrong. I love I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's great. It's one of the best stop motion animation movies of all time. I think up there at least. Mm-hmm. But like compared to his live action, I just don't feel it as much. Sure. I'm not going to pretend like it's his absolute best. I just think that tonally, Fantastic Mr. Fox is perfect. Yeah, but it's great. But it's like, you know, it's the best of the best. It's like ice cream and pizza. How, like, apples and oranges. (laughs) So what are we doing for number five? I think we're landing on Fantastic Mr. Fox. I just think that you can't, if you're talking about his movies, the, the movie that doesn't come, if I have to think of, you know, him and his movies, Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's a good movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Fox. But, but it's just not the first thing that comes to mind when I think Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would so agree with that. I, I just don't, I have a hard time putting it any higher personally, but I, it is a fabulous movie. And it's These so, are all amazing. And now, it's so, so impressive for his like yeah. first foray into stop motion animated work, right? Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. That his first attempt at it is so good. I just it's think so when you detailed. like, even when people try to re- remake. Uh, Wes Anderson looks they never where do you see anim, you know what I mean animation it's always going to be aesthetic realistic you know what I mean mm. I don't know I just yeah all right so now we're in a really really tough spot these last four movies are all I, fantastic I think, I think really subjective uh, yeah it's you could go anyway with it so this is this is going to be tough a lot of compromise it's gonna Moonrise to Kingdom here. it's got to be Moonrise Kingdom yeah, I'm okay with Moonrise Kingdom over here. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's fine with me. I, I I have Moonrise Kingdom a little bit higher than the rest of you guys, but I, I'm I'm cool with compromise. Again, I would put Rushmore here. here, but again, I know you all are very high on Rushmore. No, yeah, I won't. Let I you do that. know that I'm biased in this. If anyone asks me as a Wes Anderson fan, like, oh, what do you think is the best one? I say subjectively to me, it's Rushmore, but objectively, it's Grand Budapest. Mm. Grand Budapest is the best one. I think. So then, is, so then, based on that, are we are we putting Tenenbaums third? Then, does anyone want to fight for Tenenbaums to be in the top two? For me, it would be if I was making this list alone, it would be Grand Budapest, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh-huh. But again, I, 
if all of three of you really love Rushmore that much that it's like number one over Brand, Grand, Grand Budapest, then I can't argue. No, I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that either, actually, because like, sure, I have a personal attachment to Rushmore, but do I think it's objectively the best? I don't know. Like, I think Royal Tenenbaums, if you're a general viewer, I might suggest that to them first because mm-hmm. Rushmore is more just like I identify with the character and I it's appealing to me in that way. Well, I hated Rushmore when I first saw it. Well, not hated. Sorry. Let me take it back. I don't want to upset my beautiful wife, but (laughs) I didn't like it that much. I didn't see what Hannah saw in it the first time I saw it, but only upon repeat viewings and encouragement from Hannah did I discover how great it was. But to me, I I would say Rushmore (laughs) and Royal... No. (laughs) No. Yeah. Hold the knife to your throat. Yeah. I would say Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums to me are tied. Ahead of Grand Budapest? No. Well, like... Of tied oh, for like spot. second and third. If for third. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the spot. All right. So I think we're gonna do Royal Tenenbaums third then. Does that is everyone okay with that? Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. And so I think it sounds like we all agree that Grand Budapest is number one and Rushmore is second. Are we yeah. all Grand yeah. Budapest cool is his that? magnum opus as far as I'm I think concerned. it's his greatest. I think so too. It's so good. He I mean if it, just from Aside from us all thinking that it's, you know, his greatest achievement so far, it's also his biggest financial success, mm-hmm. too, at the box office. Right. Good. I'm really I think glad it's to hear that. Stunning. I think it's yeah. one of his more ex- accessible ones because mm-hmm. it's yeah. quirky and bright and colorful, all those things he's trademarks of, but there is a story to it and mm-hmm. is, there is heart to it, but it's not too quirky and too depressing to put the general audience off. The thing with the Royal Tannenbaums, though, is it's... I love that one so much, too. On Mm -hmm. repeat viewings, it gets better every time, and that's something special, too. Yeah. But I'm happy to keep it... I mean, for me, it's two, but I'm I'm, I'm totally comfortable with it being three. Yeah. So, actually, Tannenbaums does something that I... Like, it has an anxiety that I I really wish had been in Asteroid City. Yeah. Because, like they're dealing with like an alien coming down and there's nuclear tests going on. Like I thought I was really hoping that there'd be more anxiety that, that came uh, through the film and like that I, that I would feel like, cause the characters, they, they say that they're anxious, but the movie kind of feels whimsical the entire time to me. And right. it, I, I didn't feel that anxiety that, that they were talking about. You know, Again, it, I think, sorry, go on Hannah. Cause it, well, cause it's a play. Like the whole right. time we're aware that, that yes. it's not actually happening. That was my point about, that's what I was trying to say when I said that it takes you, because you know, the other movies, there's real drama because those characters are in real danger, right? Yeah. But in that in this one, they're not because you know it's not real. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that happened in Asteroid City really don't matter. Right, yeah. And so I felt that's one of the reasons why I had a bit of a, you know. I, I have a feeling that Asteroid City is going to, I'm going to like it, it more, might grow on more me. times yeah. I watch it. Just because, you know, you... you you have the entire setup in in your brain, and you're not, you know, figuring out as you're going the, the second and third time you watch it. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on what kind of cinema viewer you are. If you're attracted to visual things, bright colors and stuff, mm-hmm. that's probably more appealing to you. But if you're more into the heart, like Andrew is, then that must be something that he's less interested in because there's less heart in it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very fifty so. fifty, and so that's why I struggled with this one a little bit. Because visually it's stunning and I loved it, and it's fun yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah. then th- th- there's a lack of emotion in it, in my opinion. That's an, uh, another. Although yeah. there's a bit of a love story to creative arts. Yeah, there's a little bit of a little bit of a repeat of the love story from Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. kind of mirrored in in uh, in this one. Yeah, they're both like trauma bonding over their yeah. experiences. But but the drama's not real, and that's what takes me out of it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so let's recap our list. At eleven, we have bottle. None of rocket. it's real, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I wish. I know, right? Oh, yeah. So cool. All right, so at eleven, we have bottle rocket. At number ten, we have the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Uh, did I say that title right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Dar- at number nine, we have Darjeeling Limited. Eight, Isle of Dogs, or. What Life did we call dogs. it? Life of Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, The French Dispatch. Number six, Asteroid City. Number five, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Number four, Moonrise Kingdom. 
Number three, Royal Tenenbaums. Number two, Rushmore. And number one, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think we can all be proud of ourselves. We did. We <laughs> collaborated. Give yourself a little clap on the back. We. <laughs> I think I you guess. guys should rewatch Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think it is criminally underrated. Again, well, we just like, rewatched it recently. It's great, but it's like they're all great, right? Yeah, there's no <laughs> wrong know. answer here. All these, honestly, you're you're talking about a master filmmaker, and all his movies mm-hmm. are better than anything I could ever dream of making. And to criticize any of them, I think, you know, they're all any. If if someone said the one I like, I hate the most is their favorite, I would be like, I understand why. I oh, know, for Carl, sure. I think I Carl, I think you're selling yourself short. Better than anything you could ever dream of making. I mean. You just got to set your mind to it, you know? You, you could be the next Wes Anderson. You <laughs> I could can be, be the next Wes Anderson. You could be the first Carl... I don't know how to say your last name, but the first Carl of <laughs> Carl and Gabe go to the movies, feelings. you know? <laughs> that hurt my feelings, Andrew. I'm sorry. Pirowski? Yes, yes, that is it. Close enough. It's okay. Close enough. Close enough. Um, what should be my stage? What should be my director name? I can't go with that name. Carl Wow. <laughs> That's the thing. If, as a when you're a Polish person, you just can't hope that anyone. But can then again, no, no, no. Name. But then Polish names have like that. Like, if you see a Polish director, you're like, oh, this is going to be a very filmy film. You know, it's going to be a very artsy film. <laughs> yeah. Like Roman like Polanski. Yeah, like this is like, ooh, what are we watching? This is a foreign film. This is interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if you want to be grouped in with Roman Polanski. I mean, a fantastic filmmaker, but you know, yeah, kind the of other a stuff. Bad person, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, yeah, not very good. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> that was a dark. That movie. was our West. That's our second Wes Anderson pod. We kept it a little bit shorter this time. Good job, everybody. And I think we had Yay. a productive conversation. We, we made a good it. list. We and, did it, fam. Uh, we did it. Uh, any last words? You guys want to plug your podcast? Sure. Nah. <laughs> nobody, nobody listens. To, who are they plugging it to? The two view listeners that we have. <laughs> what are you talking about? We got more listeners than that. Well, to all of uh, Carl and Gabe's many listeners, if you want to hear more of us, uh, we are currently doing a walk through uh, the legends of film history that we missed out on over on our podcast called Pause It For Me. Woo-hoo. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even YouTube. I make a big effort to put it on YouTube for Ooh. all 10 people who watch it there. Um, yeah, what movies watch. are you guys uh, watching? Well, we're in the middle of Red Shoes right now. Yeah, which I think Gabe is going to chat with us about. Oh, nice. He seems gung-ho to talk about it, so we're yeah. we're doing that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, it's um, even though we went to film school, didn't mean we uh, watched every big movie out there. So we uh, will watch movies like Citizen Kane, and we've been talking about all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm really up. happy with our Citizen Kane episode. That, that one yeah. was kind of daunting me coming up, but I think we did it justice. Glad nice. to be past it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carl just watched um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. So oh, really that's good. definitely on our list. Yeah, that's very very good. He he he's excited about old movies now. Well, just that, no. <laughs> just I've that liked, one. I, I, no, I've always liked lo- old movies. It's just there's so many new movies to watch that I find it hard to justify but, watching, especially to keep up with Gabe. God, he you guys have no idea. It's exhausting. Well, we see his letterbox. Sometimes it's, it's like just, three, yeah, four it, movies. It, Andrew and Hannah are like the only ones who like my reviews on. I letterbox. stopped going on there because I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't keep up with them, and then I have to watch all the new ones, and then I don't have time to watch anything old. And I do right. enjoy old movies. I did just That's watch Lawrence Arabia, and I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think our co- our podcast complement each other nicely because you guys mostly focus on new movies, and we mostly focus on old movies. And yeah. our kind of our rationale for that is just like there's so many old movies yeah. that are deemed classics that we haven't mm-hmm. seen yet that like that have stood the test of time. They're still in the cultural mind that, uh, you know, wh- why waste our time with new movies that maybe are going to be forgotten in a couple yeah, of years? The jury's mm-hmm. out on them still. Yeah, yeah it's True. kind of the inverse of Carl where it's like we have too much to catch up on. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I enjoy, too, about listening to you guys is that Andrew really doesn't pull his punches when it comes to old movies. Like if Andrew doesn't like something, he's like, this movie sucks and I hated it so much. Well, <laughs> Andrew always shocks me with some of yeah, the Maltese He either has really good takes or I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's, Which is good. It's his you opinion. Want that. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. that about it. Because sometimes I agree with Andrew. I'm like, yes, absolutely. He's got it right. And then I'm like, other times I'm like, what? Where? 
Dude, what did he watch? It's not that movie. Well, I appreciate hearing your your take on my take, Carl, and uh, it's it's fun to be on your guys' podcast because uh, it's it's a little bit of a playground for me because we don't swear on our podcast just because there's people who listen that might not appreciate that, but uh, on Carl and Gabe, I can say fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> do I swear a lot on this podcast? Uh, no, I think I do more often. You swear more than me, probably. Well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear all the time as just part of my like daily speech, but I gotta. I got to no, scale it back in kind of an awkward way for our podcast. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally understand that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll uh, end it there. Everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Wow, this has just been such a pleasure. I, I'm such a lucky boy. I can't wait to go home. And-